In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Seventy-one years have passed since Pope Pius XII proclaimed the dogma of the Assumption of our Blessed Mother in Heaven in his Apostolic Constitution, Munificentissimus Deus, of November 1st, 1950. Here is the dogmatic definition as clearly defined and expressed by the Sovereign Pontiff, which implies from the faithful a firm and constant assent in faith and in the truth of this mystery because of its particular status as dogmatic definition. By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, of the blessed Apostle Peter and Paul, and by our own authority, we pronounce we declare and we define to be a divinely revealed dogma that the Immaculate Mother of God, the ever-Virgin Mary, having completed, completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory. You see how clear and powerful a dogmatic definition is to be, and how exceptional and rare these definitions have always been compared to any other papal documents. We pronounce, we declare, we define, and so on. We know it well for us as human beings, according to our faith, expressed in the creed that I hope we recite every day. We know it well, two realities await us after our death. First, the justification or condemnation of our soul, created immortal, and second, the resurrection of the body at the end of time, where soul and body will be reunited, again, for our greatest glory and eternal beatitude in heaven, or for our most terrible chastisement and eternal pain in hell. One might then think, as this is common faith, of all human creatures, that Mary must undergo the same process and be judged accordingly at the end of time for her most beautiful glorification before the entire court of angels and saints. But obviously you know this will not and cannot be the case, as clearly expressed in the feasts we celebrate today. For Mary, everything is exceptional, unique, from her conception to her glorification in heaven. She is not, and once again, she cannot be subject to this common expectation. The privilege of her bodily assumption is her unique and most perfect way of being associated with the resurrection of Christ and His glorious ascension. And this assumption constitutes the crowning of her earthly life. This unique and exceptional fact or dogma in the work of the redemption of all humankind by Christ springs from two privileges specific to Our Lady. First, the privilege of her immaculate conception, exempt, free from all sin, and first of original sin, her body couldn't be subject to physical corruption and decomposition as that destruction of our body through suffering, illness, and ultimately through death, 
It is the unfortunate consequence for us of original sin, which again Mary was exempt from. And the second privilege is her divine motherhood, as she bore in her womb a God-made man, Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, who became one flesh with her in this beautiful mystery of her Annunciation. Very special and unique union with His creation. This most intimate union God could have ever established with humankind. A union that cannot suffer any disunion, division, or separation. A union which has a claim to eternity, which Our Lady has seen fully accomplished when ascending body and soul on the day of her glorious assumption, ascending to heaven. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed, because he that is mighty hath done great things to me. And these two arguments, he, her immaculate conception and her divine motherhood, in favor of the proclamation of the dogma of her assumption now into heaven, were given to the church by the great Saint John Damascene, when he wrote already in the 7th century, There was need that the body of her, who in childbirth had preserved her virginity intact, be preserved incorrupt after death. There was need that she who had carried the Creator as a little infant on her bosom should linger lovingly in the dwelling of her God. There was need that the bride whom the Father had betrothed to himself should live in the bridal chamber of heaven, that she who had looked so closely upon her very own Son on the cross and who there felt in her heart the sore pangs of sorrows which in bearing him she had been spared, should look upon him seated with his father. There was need that God's mother should enter into her son's possessions, and as the mother of God and handmaid, be reverenced by all creation. Hence, dear faithful, in this beautiful solemnity of the Assumption, of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let us turn our eyes and hearts towards this shining star, resplendent, resplendent, and which splendor has no equal, always watching over us, not as a distant and impersonal reality, which access would be reserved to only a few privileged souls. No, certainly not. Mary remains our first advocate and mother before God. Let her light penetrate our hearts and minds, so as to dissipate in us the dark shadow of sin, and let us receive from her the comfort and hope that can only spring in the hearts of whoever has recourse to that mother, who is not only present at the foot of the cross, but who, was, who has now been proclaimed Queen of Heaven and Earth, as she entered triumphantly into the royal halls of Heaven, and is sitting at the right hand of the Divine Redeemer. As Eve, because of her sin, had merited death along with Adam for us, so did the new Eve marry, merit to overcome death because united to the new Adam, Christ. She therefore participates in a very special way in the work of our redemption. 
Now allow me to share here an interesting story, dear to my home country, France. The famous and traditional procession that you certainly know, and I wish we were able to have it today, but circumstances are that we are not able to, this traditional procession that normally takes place on August 15th for the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady had been explicitly mandated by the King of France, Louis XII, for his entire kingdom. In 1615, same time as our dear patron St. Francis de Sales, Louis XII took as his wife and queen Anne of Austria. But unfortunately, after 25 years of married life, the royal couple was still not able to give a son to the kingdom, unable to give a successor to the kingdom of France, letting it in great peril and division and despair. Finally, after many prayers and public pilgrimages for this particular intention, Queen Anne, by the grace of God, became pregnant, giving hope back to the kingdom and to Catholic monarchy. His name, Louis Dieudonné, which literally means Louis given by God, who would become the future Louis XIV. He was not born yet, but still, Louis XII proclaims solemnly the consecration of himself, his family, and the entire kingdom to the Virgin Mary and to her Immaculate Heart in thanksgiving for this joyful and most miraculous event. Now, I would like to share with you an extract of this consecration, which we should certainly take and make for ourselves, our families, and our country in this most terrible, terrifying and predictable and troubled times, assured that divine providence will assist and comfort us, as shown already many times in church history. Here is what it says. We have declared, and we declare, that taking the very holy and glorious Virgin Mary as special protectress of our kingdom, we particularly consecrate to her our own self, the state, our crown, and our subject. Entreating, to her, entreating her to inspire in us a holy conduct and to so diligently defend this kingdom against the endeavors of all its enemies, that whether it suffers the plague of war or enjoys the sweetness of the peace, we implore from God, from the depth of our heart, it may never depart from the path of grace, leading to the path of glory. And we can add to this consecration for ourselves and our nation, as we will all pray together out loud with the priest at the end of the Mass. That is why, small and weak that we are, we wish to consecrate to thee our institute, our families, our persons, our works, our future, all that pertains to us and is in us, and which God in his immeasurable goodness has entrusted to us for our good use. And finally, O sorrowful and immaculate Mary, proclaimed the American bishops on May 17, 1846. O sorrowful and immaculate Mary, you who bore the sufferings of your son in the depth of your heart, be our advocate. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.